it's, it's really a privilege to get to uh, welcome Mike McNeil here today. Mike was my first professor, and uh, he took care of me at, at Bethany Bible College way before it was called uh, Kings, uh, sorry, Kingswood University, and uh, he's the first person that, that got me out into doing street ministry and sharing my faith with, with people uh, all around, whether it was in a park or in a community kitchen, or a prison, or New York City, it didn't matter, and so uh, I'm really uh, thrilled to have him here today. I've seen him preach in subway stations, uh, and in churches, and uh, on the street, and just wherever, you know, preaching it uh, in season, in and out, and so uh, would you give a warm welcome to Mike as he comes to share the word with us? Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, I re- I, I'm so old, I remember when John was learning to play guitar. That's how, that's how John was learning. He was just, just kind of starting out with, a, you know, three chords and the truth kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's great to be with you this morning and to, uh, to be able to share. And uh, you, you may assume, since, uh, since I teach at a Bible college, you may assume that, that maybe I come from like five generations of pastors or, you know, that kind of thing, a long Christian heritage. Uh, actually, I grew up like totally outside of the church. Uh, some, some religion had been shoved down my father's throat when he was young, and so he rebelled against that. And so he raised us in St. John, New Brunswick to, to not go to church and to kind of be, to be uh, like a nun, to be like not a Catholic nun, but just like no, no religion, right? And uh, and so I, I grew up doing like all the things that you do when you're like a good uh, pagan Canadian boy from the Maritimes and, uh, you know, search through all of the, the party scene and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was, when I was 24 years old, my life was kind of bottoming out in, in some ways. Uh, I, I don't know if God has ever done this to you, but I got like tricked into going to a church on, on a Friday night. I found myself at a church and I had a really bad attitude. And uh, it, was, it was what is now King's Church, but at that time it was like, you know, like 40 people meeting in a, uh, meeting in a gymnasium in a school. Uh, and I kind of walked in with a bad attitude. And I had that classic Billy Graham uh, kind of experience where, you know, I went in like expecting nothing really. And uh, it was just like the preacher was talking right to me. The whole room faded away. I had never been to like an evangelical church before. And so, so at the end, I was like tracking with this guy. I was like, this guy's really making sense. And, you know, at the end, he's like, uh, you know, so if what I've said makes sense to you, I want you to get up out of your chair and come and, and, and pray here at the front. And I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm going, oh, you were doing great until then, buddy, but nobody's going to get up. And walk down front and embarrass themselves in front of like a group of people. Like, what kind of an idiot would do that? And as I was thinking that, I was standing up, right? <laughs> my body was doing something. My mind was thinking one thing, but my, and I don't know how to explain that theologically, but I was like, I was standing up and I was walking down to the front. And I was the only one in the whole room who was doing this. And, uh, and in, I, I got about halfway there and I was like, God, you better be real. Because I'm like really going to be ticked if I get up there and you're, you're not ready. And I had, a, I had an experience where the only way I can describe it, this is not great theology, but the only way I can describe it is like God was like this idea out there somewhere. It's not that he didn't believe in God. He was just like far away and he was like abstract. He was an idea. And when I got up front, I didn't really know what to do. So I just knelt down 
uh, like to pray, because I thought that's probably what you're supposed to do up here. And the, the best way to describe it is kind of like, <sighs> suddenly the God that was like an idea out there, like suddenly there was a presence there that I had never felt before. And, uh, and to be honest, that presence has never left me. And uh, <laughs> I, I, have, I have never gotten over my conversion. Like it's, it's just kind of... Uh, it just kind of like kind of went from there, and so uh, so I've had the I've had the chance as I've just kind of walked through doors as as they as Jesus opened doors and I just kind of walked through them. I've had a chance to to uh, to do a lot of a lot of things, and uh, and I want to take us to uh, I, I want to take us to like one of the things I've noticed in my life is that Jesus tends to work in sometimes in unconventional and, and unusual ways. And, uh, and so I want to I take us to a scripture and talk about that a little bit today. Uh, right, right before I do that, I'll, I'll, do, uh, I'll do a little commercial. I have a, I have a new book out that is, uh, it's called Jesus Wears an Orange Jumpsuit. And it's just about, it's a series of real life stories of uh, Jesus kind of showing up and doing things in, in unusual places with the people that you would like least expect him uh, to to do it with, and so these are these will be available after the service, and they're like ten bucks. So obviously, I'm like I'm not I'm not becoming a rich Christian author off of this. I, this is just a a way to kind of like to take what I talk about and kind of spread it uh, spread it even further, tell stories about about Jesus. And so if you if you like some of the illustrations I'm using, and you you want to hear more like that, uh, you can you can kind of pick that up uh, pick that up later, but. Uh, I want to take us in the scripture to, uh, to a story that's in, uh, it's in Mark 8 and verse 22, and it's kind of one of those unusual, unusual stories that we just kind of get used to uh, in the Bible. And it says that Jesus and the disciples, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored. And he saw everything. He saw everything clearly. And so I want to kind of break down this story for us today and see how it, it might uh, uh, apply to our lives. And, and so, uh, so the, the title of my message is uh, Holy Spit, when Jesus uses unconventional ways to display his unconditional love. And uh, the, first thing, the first thing that I note is that is that uh, there were some other people that, that brought the man uh, to Jesus. And, and sometimes we're just so overwhelmed by the problems we face in life, aren't we? Sometimes we're, 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 we're overwhelmed and discouraged by those. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's the faith of others. Sometimes others have to bring us 
to Jesus in faith because we just, we're just in that spot where we can't see things clearly uh, and we, we need some outside help. And, and then sometimes we're those people that, that are the outside help. And we have friends and we have family and people that they just need, they, their, their faith is weak at the moment and they need us to kind of step in and, uh, and, and bring, uh, bring them to Jesus. And uh, the Beth Theta is, the, the word actually means mercy. And it's just kind of a reminder that, that it's, uh, none of us deserve healing or anything else that God has for us. It's God's mercy. It's God's goodness and his mercy that, uh, that is, is the key to all of this. And uh, we, sometimes we, you know, we spend time, and it's valuable, we spend time like answering the question, you know, does God really exist? Uh, but uh, what I've found is, like, I think the real question on people's hearts is, is God good? That's the real question. Is God good? Can I, like most people, the majority of people aren't skeptics. The majority of people believe in a higher power of some kind. They believe in God, but the real question is, is like, is God really good? Is he as good as the Bible says? And, uh, and can I trust him? Can I trust him with, with my life? And so, so this man is, is, uh, is brought to Jesus in Bethsaida. Bethsaida also means desert place. It's kind of an out-of-the-way an out of the way place. And one of the things that I've noticed in my life is that often when Jesus moves in, in healing or in miraculous kind of ways, it often happens in the out of the way places. It happens in those places where we're not really expecting him to move or, or him to do anything. I was in uh, Honduras, you know, when, when I, I when. COVID was uh, finally kind of lifting, and I was like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm getting out of North America as soon as I can, as soon as I can get a team and get somewhere. So I took a team from Kingswood to Honduras this, this March. It was, we had to jump through a lot of hoops. It was really complicated, but, but we got there. And uh, honestly, folks, I, 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 had, like, I didn't put any expectations on the trip. I'm like, if we can just go anywhere and serve Jesus, this is going to be a win. This is going to be good. But in the eight days that we were in Honduras, uh, we saw God do more miraculous things than I ever have in the whole rest of my life. Like we were seeing, it was incredible. It was like blowing my mind and expanding my faith. We were, we were seeing literally people, people being healed, uh, deaf ears opening and, 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 and things that I had not seen before. We were seeing that like almost on an, on an everyday uh, kind of basis. And, uh, and I think a lot of that had to do, we, we have so much to learn from our brothers and sisters around the world. And uh, the, the translator that we had, Hoel, uh, he's also a pastor. And uh, he, was, he was just ready to go for it, man. He was ready, he was ready to, uh, like he's one of those guys, he's the real deal. He gets up at four in the morning every day. He prays. He doesn't make a lot of money, but he's going to be, when we're in heaven, we're going like, to be like the big crowd. We're going to be like, who's up there with, at front with Jesus? Is it a famous person? No, it's Hoel. He's that, you know, he's that, 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 that kind of guy. And uh, so we, we, were, we were on the dump in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Like, we were outside at the city dump, the poorest of the poor. 
where people scavenge. There's, if you can picture the scene, there's, there's like, it's dirty, it's dusty. Uh, just all the garbage from the city is piled there in a big mountain. And, uh, and these people scavenging, like getting, getting metal and making like maybe $1.50, $2 a day. By, by doing that, you know, they're wearing, they're wearing masks be, uh, to keep all the dust out of their, out of their lungs and, uh, and buzzards like flying all over the place. Just not the place where you would expect to uh, experience God. So we were up there and we, we, took a, we took some trucks and we took some food. We did, a little, uh, we did a little worship service like with just acoustic guitars in the back of a pickup. Uh, and then we were handing out, you know, can we pray for you? We're handing out food to the people that were working up there on the dump. And uh, I noticed this one man, he wasn't in any hurry. Like after the food was done, he was kind of hanging around by the truck. And uh, I don't speak a lot of Spanish and he didn't speak a lot of English. So there was like a language barrier there. But I could tell that, I could tell that, uh, that he was... He was interested in Jesus, and so I saw that I saw the a translator had kind of just gotten out of conversation, and I waved him over. And this man was named Valerio, and uh, and 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 I said, you know, you, you you seem very comfortable being around here. And he's like, yes, I'm a Christian, and and I said, well, what can we pray with you about today? And he said, for the last four days, uh, I've had chest pains. And my breathing is very, is very troubled, it's very shallow, and, and, and I have no money. There, there are no doctors here, but even if there was, I don't have the money to go to a doctor, and I'm, and I'm very afraid. And, and, uh, and I was like, well, can we pray for you? And I, I prayed through the translator, I prayed just the, like the simplest, simplest prayer. And then the translator kind of interviewed him and said, like, how do you, how do you feel now? And he said, when you prayed... I felt heat go down through my whole body. It started at my head and went right down to my toes. And, uh, and, and he said, my, my chest pains are gone. And, uh, and, and I can breathe clearly. And I was like, I was like, you know, and, and I was playing it really cool. Like, you know, that's on the outside. But inside I was going like, what? Like, you know, like I was, I was like, what just, you know, what just happened here? Like God, like you. You did this, and uh, you, can, you can, if you scroll back through my Facebook, you can find, you know, I, I was like, I, I need to get a picture with you, because this is an important moment for me, just, just look kind of like it is for you. I want to I wanna be praying for you, uh, Valerio, and, and, uh, and uh, Jesus takes, Jesus takes the, the man, like, outside of the town, he takes him out into, into a desert place, uh, because because what Jesus is going to do, it's, it's not a show. It's not something that, that is, uh, you know, where a crowd needs to be watching. It's between, it's between him and, and the man. And, uh, and, and you'll notice here that Jesus often uses methods that are surprising at best and shocking at worst. And, and so, uh, we, you know, we're so used to the Bible that we're like, oh, yeah. You know, he spit in the guy's eyes and the guy was healed. That's not normal, okay? That's really, really weird, right? Like, that's a weird thing to do. Even at the time, it was not something that, that people did. And, uh, and, and uh, one of the things I've found is, that, like, God does not work within my rules and he doesn't follow my agenda. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he's got his own agenda and his own timing and and the ways the ways that he does things are sometimes uh, 
kind of shocking to my pride and my dignity. Uh, and, and, you know, and I have all these ground rules like, here's how you're supposed to work, God. And he's just like, no, I'm God. I'm going to work how I want. Like, and you, you're the one that, that has to adjust. And, and so uh, I've asked myself many times since I got back from Honduras, like, what is, the, what is going on there? Why is it that I see God working in more miraculous ways, like in places like Honduras, and I don't see that as much here in Canada, and I think it might be because maybe we're not desperate enough yet, you know, because in Honduras, in Honduras, it's, uh, you know, there's a corrupt government, there's gangs that, that rule all the neighborhoods, it's, you know, 60% unemployment, it's, it, it, it's rough, and, and kind of God is, God is the, uh, he's kind of the only, the only option. And, uh, and I asked Howell, the question is like, Howell, why do, why do we see so many things happening here and, and I don't see them at home? And he, he looked at me very honestly and he said, he said, I don't think you're desperate enough yet. Like, I don't think, I, I think that you use God as a last resort and we have to use God as, God as, as our only res- resort. And, uh, and so we have to be desperate enough to get over our doubt and over our dignity, I think. And uh, we, live in a, we live in such a skeptical society where, like, people don't trust anything. They don't trust each other. They don't trust our institutions. They don't, you know, and there's, and there's probably some tangible reasons for that. They've, they've been let down. But we live in an atmosphere of doubt, I think, sometimes. And, and when we read the Bible, it just seems so far out there uh, for us. And then uh, we also, we're, we're kind of soaked in doubt and we're, we're obsessed with our own, our own dignity. We have to, you know, we're, we're proud. We're proud people sometimes. And we, we just, uh, we have to be, we have to get desperate enough to get over ourselves, I think. At least I know that I do uh, in, in, in my life. And I think that's maybe why, um, why I saw so much happening that way uh, in Honduras. I, I, lo- I love the Bible because it's so honest and, uh, and it's authentic to real life. It's authentic to how we really are as people. So verse, verse 24 just cracks me up. Where he's like, you know, Jesus says, you know, what do you, what do you see? And the guy's like, the guy's like well, I, I see, I can see people, but they're walking around like trees, right? So it's kind of like invasion of the tree people, you know, all these. Uh, it's it's uh, the... The Bible is, if you were, if you were just going to like make up a holy book, you wouldn't put stuff like that in there. Right. Uh, the, like the, there, it's, it's really authentic to the way that we experience, experience uh, life, isn't it? You can't, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, I was in a, we were visiting house to house in Honduras. Uh, you know, it's, it's different there. Like you, you want advance notice if the pastor's coming, right? There, it's like the pastor shows up with five people, and you go, come on in, right? And you just put down whatever you're doing, and we, we were visiting in these, uh, in these homes in this poor neighborhood, and there was uh, a wife there. Uh, the husband was working on some cement stuff kind of out in the yard, and, and, and the wife was like, my, my husband is, you know, he's really been struggling, so I'm going to call him in, and you're going you're gonna to pray for him. And, and we were taking turns, and so it was my turn to pray. And uh, this big, this big burly man comes in, and he's he's been in a motorcycle accident, and so he's been having headaches. And he's like, I was up all last night with a headache; I couldn't get to sleep, and and my shoulders are all like are all messed up. And uh, 
And so I prayed a nice, dignified prayer for him, you know, and, uh, and, and not much happened, right? And uh, then I kind of desperately looked at Hoel, like, tag team, you got anything to add here? And, and Hoel was like, yes, I'll pray. And so Hoel, uh, one of the things I noticed is that he did not, he did not like ask God to do something. Like he spoke directly to the infirmity, like in Jesus' name. And he was like, you are going to leave in Jesus', in Jesus name. And then the next, thing, the next thing I saw was the guy going, like this, and he's like, he's like, my headache's gone, and like, I've, I'm all loose. Like, this is, this is great, and you could tell by the look on his face, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was very real, and uh, and and again, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of blew, it kind of blew my mind, and uh, in in the in the story, uh, the man kind of has a gradual healing. It happens in a process, and it's, I, I found that I'm not sure exactly sure why that happens, but. Uh, but I have observed that to be, to be true as well. It's, it's okay if healing is a gradual process and not like an instantaneous moment. Sometimes, sometimes we have to pray. We can't give up. We, we have to pray uh, more than once. And we can't, we can't be in a hurry. We can't. Uh, one of the things that I noticed about church in Honduras was, uh, well, first of all, when you started the service, nobody was there because they all showed up like 20 to 30 minutes late. But then on the other end of that, uh, nobody was in a rush to get out, too. Like, they weren't like, come on, like, I got things I got to do. They were, they were willing to kind of stick there until, until, until God's presence showed up and, uh, and, and something happened. And, uh, and so uh, the, the goal of all healings and miracles, as we see in the story, is to restore something that has been lost. There, there, uh, the, the miracles that Jesus does in the scriptures, are, they're always practical. They're always a practical demonstration of God's, God's concern. And they're always, they're always restoring something that the devil has stolen uh, from, uh, from somebody. In 1 John 3.8, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So I'm really right-brained. And uh, so my mind kind of works. It doesn't work like one, two, three, four. It kind of works like going a lot of different directions at once. And so, so I'm I'm uh, I'm watching this show on TV about uh, about uh, repoing airplanes, about uh, about like air, air, people who repossess airplanes, which is a little more complicated than repossessing a car. You know, they kind of like they sneak in, they start at the plane, then they go to like take off with it. So I'm watching, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm watching this kind of at the same time, and, uh, and, and it comes out in my, in my right brain creativity, it comes out uh, in a poem called Repo Man. From prison church to drug rehab, redemption is no smash and grab, an inside job, a well-planned heist, the mastermind, the one called Christ, reaches deep in darkened cells. And shines a light on private hells. He's taking back what Satan stole and filling in the God-shaped hole. With kingdom keys and near-pierced hands, Jesus is God's repo man. And uh, that's, that's, what, that's what God is up to. That's what, uh, that's what Jesus is up to in, uh, in, in all of our lives. And we, and we see in the story 
that the bigger purpose of, of God working in our lives is always that we might see things clearly. The man's sight was restored. He saw everything accurately. He saw it as it really was. We, uh, if you haven't noticed over the last couple of years, we live in crazy times, don't we? We live in times where everything is distorted and flipped around and, uh, and backwards. We live in a time where people have trouble. They wrestle with, you know, I don't know if I can believe in the virgin birth. But at the same time, they believe that men, biological men can actually have babies, have children. And, uh, and I'm like, that which, really? Like, which is harder to believe? That the God of the universe could cause a virgin to get pregnant? Or, or that, like, you know, men are out there, men are out there having babies. I, I, uh, everything is distorted. And in Judges 21, uh, 25, it says that when, there, when there's no king, people do whatever seems right in their own eyes. And, uh, and uh, we just, I think we desperately, desperately in the church, we need to see King Jesus clearly in these times. If there was ever a time where we need uh, clarity about who God is, what he wants to do, there is ever a time that we need clarity, man, it's, 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 it's right now. I was in Nova Scotia a couple of weeks ago, and it's like a Saturday night. I'm sitting, a, I'm sitting across the table from a young pastor, and, uh, and he just looks at me like deadly serious, and he's like, what is it, it going to take to turn our culture around? Like our culture is obviously like heading off a cliff. What is it going to take uh, to turn it around. And honestly, uh, like my only answer was like, like revival. Like I, if we don't have revival, I don't, I don't think that there is hope. Like we have to have revival in the church and, uh, and we need to, uh, we just need to see King Jesus clearly. We, we need less, less sit and more spit. Uh, in, 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 in our own lives, right? In, in my life and in the life of the church, uh, if there was ever a time that we needed clarity, if there was ever a time we needed restoration and revival, uh, that, that time is now. We need, we need more messy moments in the church, don't we, where, 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 where Jesus kind of works in unusual ways that might make us a little uncomfortable, and, uh, and they're a little unusual, but, but we know, we know that we know that we know that it's God. So I want to, <laughs> I want to, Thanks, man. I love you. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I want to tell you about, as, as we kind of almost bring the plane down for a landing here, I want to tell you about the most changed, because the biggest miracle is always a changed life, right? The biggest miracle is, is just a life that has changed. And, and I want to tell you about a guy that I, that I met in, in prison a few years ago. Uh, and I can't use his real name because you're not allowed to do that. But I'll, so I'll just call him like Jailhouse Joe. But, uh, but Joe, uh, we, back before COVID, I haven't been to prison in a couple years, but back before COVID, uh, we would go in once a month on Tuesday nights. In fact, my youngest daughter, Emily, when she was, uh, when she was younger, my wife Colleen heard her answering the phone in the other room on a Tuesday night. No, my dad, no, he's not here. He's in prison. Okay, thanks, bye. Uh, <laughs> Because she just thought like everybody's dad went to prison on Tuesday nights. And uh, we, we, we still have no idea who that was or what, you know, what their impression was. But, uh, 
But on Tuesday nights, you know, we go and, and do like a chapel service in, in the prison once a month. And, and so we're there, uh, we're there one Tuesday night and we're, we're kind of practicing. Uh, and somebody, this prisoner, uh, pokes his head in. He's never been to chapel before. He's, uh, he's, he's totally shaved bald. He has tattoos all over. He's got a couple of, couple of teardrop tattoos, which I think means he's killed a couple people. And uh, he pokes his head in. Here's the music, pokes his head in. One of my students is kind of sitting down and uh, looks up at the door and sees him and goes like, oh God, don't let that guy come and sit with me. Like, just, I'll go to Africa, I'll do anything, but not, not that guy, God. So the guy comes in and sits right next to the student, of course. And we find out he's a really, you know, he's actually, he's actually he's kind of a scary looking nice guy. And uh, he starts coming out to chapel only when we're there. For some reason, he just, you know, and so it's a couple months into this. He comes up to me and he goes like, hey, I became a Christian yesterday. Can I share with the other inmates? And I'm like, hey, Joe, that'd be great. Before we start, I'm just going to hand you the mic. You say whatever you want. He dropped the F-bomb 10 times in five minutes in his <laughs> testimony. He was so rough, he didn't even realize that this probably wasn't appropriate. Like, God is bleeping awesome, you know, and he's like, and so anyway, this starts this journey where every uh, every time I'm there on a Tuesday night, I get the latest installment of what God is doing in Joe's life. Joe starts to like read his Bible like crazy. He's, he's got these Hillroy notebooks. He's doing his own commentary as he's reading the Bible. He's got these Hillroy notebooks full of what he thinks it, it means. He's, uh, he's kind of one of the bad dudes in the prison. And, and, he's, and he's like, so he starts Bible studies and people are afraid of him so they have to go, right? <laughs> And so, like, there's three or four Bible studies that are going on. He's just like, Bible study, Wednesday night, you're coming. Okay, Joe. Like, and so, like, God is using, God is using Joe. He, uh, he, has, all, he has these tattoos. Uh, on his chin, it's a, he has tattooed FTW, which used to mean, like, <clears throat> the world, right? And uh, he's reinterpreted it now that he's a Christian. He says, this means faith the word. And I'm like... Okay, Joe, sure. He has, he has ACMD tattooed on his knuckles, which used to mean all cops must die. Now it means all Christians must disciple, right? And, uh, and so, so, like, every time I'm, I look forward to these Tuesday nights because I'm like, what crazy thing is Joe going to tell me? I get there, and, like, he, he used to be part of a motorcycle club, and uh, in Montreal, and, and some guys get transferred down to the prison, and uh, he, they, they confront him in the yard, and they go, we know this Christian stuff is fake, Joe, and we know you probably have a shank in your boot, because you never go anywhere without a knife. He pulls, out, he pulls out his New Testament, and he says, this is the only shank I carry now, and you can't touch me unless Jesus, like, you can't take me out. I'm in this world as long as Jesus wants me in the world, right? And uh, they just get so weirded out that they were like, yeah, let's just leave him alone. Let's do it, like, too, too weird. I don't want to mess with Jesus. And, uh, and so when all of this is going on, and then, like, then with COVID hit, like, I'm like, what? oh, man, what are those guys going to do in there? Because, like, nobody, nobody could go in and out. And... Uh, so I get uh, about a year into COVID, I get, this, I get this letter that's sent through the chaplain, through one of the chaplains, and it's from, it's from Joe, and he's just like, I just want you to know there's a group of us in here, 
We're, we're, we're staying faithful. Like we're studying the Bible, we're staying faithful, we're meeting with each other, we're praying. And so, uh, like, don't, don't be concerned about us. We're, we're good. Like, God's, God's got this. And uh, he's, he's, he says, like, he says, like, I almost feel like I'm a pastor in here now. And I'm like, I'm like, isn't it cool? Like, God knew, God knew that all of the, the regular pastors were going to get locked out. And so God raised up this, like, shaved head, tattooed pastor named Joe to minister to the other prisoners. And he went from being, like, somebody that everybody feared to being a protector there was a, a young prisoner who had that disease where you like your hair turns white really, really early. And uh, people were, it was his first time in prison. The other prisoners were making fun of him. Joe has a glass eye. Joe popped out his glass eye, walked around with this guy and said, if you're going to make fun of him, make fun of me. And like everybody backed off, right? So he went, he went from being like this person that everybody feared to being a protector and being kind of being their pastor. And uh, I... I got an email about, about six weeks ago. I got this email. Uh, five, five, of the, five of the guys in the, the prison wanted to take Bible classes at Kingswood. And so we, we made that happen. And I got this email. <laughs> I got this email from, uh, from the, one of the chaplains, a guy that I, that I didn't even know. He's a new guy. I didn't know him, but he said like, He's like, Joe wanted me to get this to you. And it was kind of like a transcript. Joe wanted me to know that uh, in his first Bible class at Kingswood, he had gotten an A. Like he had gotten an A. <laughs> and so he sent me like, he sent me the transcript of the class with like a certain stuff blacked out, but with like the kind of the A there so that I, could, I had proof like that I could see that, uh, that he had an A. And, uh, and, I, and I thought to myself, man, like if, 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 if God can meet Joe where he's at, he can meet any of us. Like, if God, if God can help Joe, God can help any of us. Like, no matter what we're facing in life, if Joe can stay strong as a Christian in that place, like, we can stay strong as Christians kind of wherever, wherever we are. And uh, so I'm going to ask the band to come on back. And uh, I don't know, like, exactly where you're at today. I hope that, that some of these, like, stories have encouraged you and kind of, kind of built up your faith. But it might be that you're here today uh, as, we, as we play this last song. Um, I, I just think it's always a good idea to have a place for prayer, a place where we can, we can kind of open it up and, uh, and, and, and be honest with God and just kind of present our needs to him. And, and so it might be that you're here today and you're, uh, you need some healing in your life. You need, some, uh, you need so, God to meet you. You're, you need something miraculous. Uh, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it, it just spiritual, like whatever. You might need, you might need to, to, to pray to God today and, and, and have Jesus uh, kind of help you wherever you're at. Uh, or it might be that you're here and you, uh, you know, like the man, you need some clarity. You just need to, there's some things in your life you've been struggling with and you need clarity about those things. And, and so, uh, like, no pressure, but if you need prayer, uh, you know, the, the, front, the front is going to be open and there'll be, there'll be some people that would be willing to pray with you about that. Sometimes we need other people, don't we? Just like, just like those people brought that man to Jesus, we need, we need people around us to, to help bolster our faith when we're, when we're struggling. And so, uh, so you feel free as we, as we sing this last song. If you have a need, 
uh, feel free to, to bring it forward and we can, we can pray about that as well.